God is good. And all the time. God is good. Amen. This morning, the kids was asking Judith what that was she brought to eat. And it was kind of like a little egg dish. And she, start, she told them, it has all the things in there you don't like. It has spinach and vegetables and all these things. And I laughed because I read a little comic this week. So laughter is good for the soul, so we're going to start with laughter this morning. This comic, it had a picture and it had the little kid eating there and his parents were standing over and making him eat his, making him eat his broccoli. He said, well, if they can make hamburgers out of vegetables, why can't they make broccoli out of hamburger? <laughs> so, so he'd like it, right? Yeah, laughter's good. I laughed at it. I thought it was kind of funny. Make, yeah, I, David looked. Yeah, but David wants broccoli made out of hamburger. <laughs> so, all right. Good to be here this morning. It's good to laugh, and it's good to worship the Lord. It's good to gather together with brothers and sisters in Christ. And again, welcome all those that may be watching online. We welcome you, in, welcome you into our home this morning. May God be with you. My message this morning I titled, O Lord, actually I just took it from Scripture, O Lord, hear, O Lord, forgive. And I know that the Lord hears us when we cry out to Him. And He is willing to forgive us when we call out to Him with repentant hearts. Going back to Daniel, I actually skipped chapter 8 because it was very similar to chapter 7. I didn't want to be repetitive. So chapter 9, verses 1 through 19. Hear the word of the Lord. In the first year of Darius, the son of, As of Harasaurus, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made, made king over the realm of the Judeans, or Chaldeans. I can't speak this morning, can't read and speak. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70, 70 years in desolation of Jerusalem. Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and mercy with those who love Him and with those who keep His commandments. My friends, we can find that in the New Testament in 1 John chapter 2. This is how God tests how we love Him, if we keep His commandments. If we love Him, we will keep His commandments. Verse 5 says, We have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled, even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes, to our fathers and all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but to us shame of face. As it is this day to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, those near and those far off, in all the countries to which you have driven them, because of the unfaithfulness which they have committed against you. O Lord, to us belongs shame of face. Again, he says that. To us belongs shame of face. To our kings, our princes, our fathers, because we have sinned against you. Friends, when we sin, it's, it's even greater, not that we sin against a person, but we sin against God when we sin. To the Lord our God belongs mercy and forgiveness. Though we have rebelled against Him, we have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in His laws, which He has set before us by His servants, the prophets. Yes, all Israel has transgressed your law and has departed so as not to obey your voice. 
Therefore the curse and the oath written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against him. And he has confirmed his words, which he spoke against us and against our judges who judged us, by bringing us upon us a great disaster. For under the whole heaven, whole heaven, such has never been done as what has been done to Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us, yet we have not made our prayer before the Lord our God, that we might turn from our iniquities and understand your truth. Therefore the Lord has kept this, the disaster in mind and brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all the, work, all the works which he does, though we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and made yourself a name, as it is this day, we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all your righteousness, I pray, let your anger and your fury be turned away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain, because of our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers. Jerusalem and your people are a reproach to all those around us. Now therefore, our God, hear the prayer of your servant and his supplication, and for the Lord's sake, Cause your face to shine on your sanctuary, which is desolate. O oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations. Desolations means lack of inhabitants or destroyed, as in a city being destroyed or a lack of people to inhabit the city. And a city which is called by your name, for we do not present our supplications before you because of our righteous deeds, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and act. Do not delay for your own sake, my God, for your city and your people are called by your name. May God add his blessings to the hearing and the reading of his holy word. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise you for your word. We thank you, Lord God, that we can know that you hear our prayers when we cry out to you. Father, may we be faithful to cry out to you and to seek your forgiveness. Father, and to seek your presence as we seek your presence today in this place. May your spirit be upon us and open our hearts to receive what you have for us. And Father, may you be glorified and your name lifted high today. In Jesus' name, amen. It was, would appear in reading this that Daniel had a copy of Jeremiah's written prophecy because he said... That is how he understood the nearness of the completion of the time that was allotted that they would be carried away captivity. You know, today we are so blessed to have the writings of Jeremiah, the writings of Daniel, the writings of Isaiah, the writings of the apostles, and all these writings to help guide us and lead us into a relationship with God because that's what He desires. And I love that His Word is so easy to understand. I know there are some things that are a great mystery in His Word. But the basic principles of salvation are so easy that the common person can understand them. If you can understand that I am a sinner and I need grace, I need God's mercy to be saved, you can understand God's Word. His Word says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Is that easy to understand? His Word says that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Easy to understand. The common person can understand it. 
And I praise God for His Word that He has sent forth through men, through the Holy Spirit. Amen? In Jeremiah 29.10, it says, For thus says the Lord, After seventy years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and cause you to return to this place. So God told him up front, you're going to be in captivity for seven years, but you will return to this place. And also in Jeremiah 29.1, it says, Now these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to remind the elders who were carried away captive to the priests and the prophets and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. So he sent word from Jerusalem to those that were captive. To me, it, it reveals the heart of Jeremiah. It reveals the kind heart that he had towards his people. To send an encouraging word to the people of Israel that had been carried away. Trying to encourage them to be faithful to God even in captivity. To be a good witness for God even in this idolatrous nation that they've been carried away into. Be faithful where you are. Serve the Lord. Continue to love and call out to your God because He is faithful to hear. You know, there were false prophets in Jeremiah's day that were telling the children of Israel that your captivity is going to be brief. It's only going to be a couple of years. There's no need to try to settle down and find a home or have children. None of these things. Don't worry about a normal life because you're only going to be there a couple years. But Jeremiah loved them enough to tell them the truth. Your captivity is going to be a long time. Seventy years, friend, that's a long time to be in captivity. He loved them enough to tell them the truth. Continue to have families. We want to ensure that there's plenty of people to come back and help populate the land. Go ahead and build homes or buy homes, whatever. Find work. Live a normal life. Do the things you normally do. That's what Jeremiah encouraged them to do. Sandra Wilson penned this quote, The truth makes us free, but first it makes us miserable. See, Jeremiah knew that this might make him miserable. Seventy years, miserable. But at least they knew the truth going into it. They needed to know the truth. Even if it's hard to take, we need to know the truth. John 8.32, I know it's a little bit out of context. You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. We need to know the truth. If the people had thought it's only going to last two years, after two years had passed and gone, and then another year had passed and gone, they would have been in despair. They would have been in despair. Imagine thinking it was only going to be two years and 10 years have passed, 15 years have passed, 25 years. Where is God? He was going to deliver us in two years. They would have been depressed and, and just in total despair. They wouldn't have built homes. They wouldn't have had families. You know, as I, I was thinking of this, I, I was reminded of a story. We went to Hilton Head, North Car or South Carolina a few years back, and we went to visit Savannah, Georgia. And as we was on a tour one day on a bus, the bus driver shared this story about Florence Martis. She was born in 1868, lived to 1943, and she is known as the Waving Girl. 
She took it upon herself to, the, to be the unofficial greeter of all ships that entered and left the port of Savannah, Georgia between 1887 and 1931. A few years after she began waving at passing sailors, she moved in with her brother, a lightkeeper, at his small white cottage about five miles up the river from Fort Pulaski. From her rustic home in Elba Island, a tiny piece of land in the Savannah River near the Atlantic Ocean, Martis would wave a handkerchief by day and a lantern by night. According to legend, not a ship was missed in her 44 years on watch. A statue of Martis by the sculptor Felix D. Weldon has been erected in Morrill Park on the historic riverfront of Savannah. The reason she greeted the ships, now this is according to legend, was because she had fallen in love as a young girl with a sailor and wanted to be sure he would find her on his return. But after 44 years, he did not return, and they say she died of a broken heart. That's according to legend, but there is a statue there, and apparently she did greet ships. Imagine had the captives been looking year after year after year. They would have died of a broken heart, thinking, when is the Lord going to deliver us back to our homeland? They would have been so disappointed. You know, we need to bloom where we are planted. Even if we are captives or wherever we are, we need to bloom where we are planted. Be encouraged. You know, in the word that Jeremiah spoke, there was also a word of encouragement, a word of hope for their future. Jeremiah 29, 11-14 says, For I know the thoughts that I have towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now, in the midst of knowing you're going to be carried off captivity as a captive, there's words of hope. I have thoughts of a future for you. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. That's the word of the Lord, friends. I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord. And I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations from which you from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place from which I have caused you to be carried away captive. God says, when you search for me with all of your heart, I will be found. And that still stands true today. Our God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. When we cry out to God with all of our heart, when we search for Him, He will be found, friends. The children of Israel had lost everything. They'd lost their freedom. They lost their homes. They lost their means of making a living. They were separated from their families, many of them. Separated from their friends. Their situation seemed very hopeless. But God says there is hope. You know, there are so many people in the United States today that think their situation is hopeless. The reasons are many. Maybe their spouse has left them for a younger model. Or the boyfriend or girlfriend broke up with them. Maybe their finances have collapsed due to a loss of a job. Maybe they've lost their homes. And I know that all these things are very, very real to them. They are. They're living it. They're experiencing it. But the first step to turn a tragic or hopeless situation into triumph is to accept the situation courageously and to surrender ourselves and our situations into the hands of a loving God. 
That's how we can get through whatever our situation may be. The Lord wants us to have peace. The Lord wants us to trust in Him. They were going to be carried away for 70 years, but God says, trust in Me. Trust in Me and I will bring you back. John 16, 33 says, These things I have spoken to you, that in Me, yeah, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Friends, we can overcome the world. Our life in, in, in this earth is short, and we can overcome it. But we will never overcome it, we will never have peace unless we know Jesus Christ. And we can find that peace in Him. We can find hope in Him. You know, there was a greater purpose in allowing the temple to be destroyed and the walls torn down and the children being carried away captive. It's called discipline. That was the greatest purpose, to discipline them, to bring them to a place where they would repent because they had turned their backs on God. They were not following His precepts and His laws. They were not walking in His ways. Though Daniel understood the most important thing, the proof is found in verse 3. He says, I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. You know, most times when we think of sackcloth, what do you think of? You think of a burlap sack, right? I mean, that's what you think of, sackcloth. You think of a burlap bag, you're going to cut a hole on each side and a hole on the top and put it over your head and let your arm stick out. And it's, uh, it's kind of very comfortable, right? Yeah, I mean, where's your burlap sack today? How come you didn't wear them? You don't, you don't because they're very uncomfortable. But in truth, in the biblical times, the appearance would be much different. Sackcloth most often was made of a very coarse black goat's hair. Have you ever rubbed up against or touched a, a mature goat? It would probably be more uncomfortable than burlap. Very uncomfortable. Yeah, you wouldn't like it because we like comfort, don't we? So, but as the name indicates, even those that were made of goat's hair, they were used for sacks. They put stuff in them. But also, customarily, they were worn by those in mourning. Or they was worn as a sign of deep repentance and humility. Ashes were often included to symbolize a personal distress. Often wondered, why the ashes? Because they was a, more of a sign of a personal distress over something they need to repent of or mourning. When Jacob was told that his son Joseph was di had died, you remember the story, his brothers sold him into slavery, took that wonderful coat of many colors that his father had made for him, they tore it, and they dipped it in blood, and they took it back to their father and said, your son is dead. Wild animals must have destroyed him. He mourned. He put on sackcloth, and he mourned for his son for many days. David said to Joab and to all the people who were with him, rend your clothes and gird on sackcloth and mourn before Abner. Remember the story of Mordecai. When Mordecai learned what Haman intended to do to try to destroy all the Israelites, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth 
in ashes and mourned and called on the people to mourn and called on Esther to pray. Sackcloth and repentance goes along. Remember Jonah, chapter 3, verses 3 through 6. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three days journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed the fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. The word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, that night's comfortable robe, and covered himself with sackcloth and ashes, sackcloth and set in ashes. They mourned. They mourned for their city. And God heard their cries. He heard their cries and their repentance. He gave them another 150 years. In Matthew 11, 20 and 21, it says, Then He began to rebuke the cities in which most of His mighty works had been done, because they did not repent. He says, Woe to you, Chorazan! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. You know, I've never worn sackcloth, but I'm certain it is uncomfortable. Give me some. But that's the point. That's the main point. We're supposed to be uncomfortable. We're supposed to be uncomfortable in our sins. And that sackcloth is to remind us to repent, to call out to God. You know, we know that Daniel received many gifts throughout his time there in captivity because of the ability God gave him to interpret dreams and visions. They would often honor him in giving gifts and clothes and stuff. So we know that he could have been very comfortably dressed, but he chose to put on sackcloth. He, how could he live in comfort while his brethren were suffering? While the city was in ruins, while they were in despair, how could he live a comfortable life? We know that he chose not to. At the very beginning when he entered there, he didn't want the king's delicacies. He chose to be faithful. He knew that it was a time for repentance. He knew that the time drew near that the captivity was to be over, and he knew it was time to cry out to God. He said in the beginning of verse 5, he said, We have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled, even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Neither have we heeded your servants the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes, to our fathers and all the people of the Lamb. O Lord, to us belong shame of face, to our kings and our princes and our fathers, because we have sinned against you. Daniel didn't say they have sinned against you. He didn't say they're a bunch of wicked people. He said we, we. To us belongs shame of face. We have sinned. He's including Himself in all this. He put on the sackcloth and cried out. He included Himself in His cry for His nation. We, the church, ought to emulate Daniel in our pleas for our nation. Father, we have sinned against You. Don't point out those that are living against God. Just say we. Daniel was an Israelite. We are an American. We have sinned against God. We have fallen away from God's precepts and His moral ways, His moral laws. 
So let us, the church, myself included, all of us say, Father, we have sinned against You. Please forgive us. Forgive us, I pray. Forgive us that we might turn from our wicked ways and walk in Your ways. How much disaster do we have to experience in this nation before we humble ourselves? Isn't that an awesome question? How much disaster do we have to experience before we will finally, truly humble ourselves? We humbled ourselves for a couple weeks after 9-11, but it didn't last long, did it? Let our prayer be, Now therefore, our God, hear our prayer. Hear the prayer of your servant and a supplication for the Lord's sake. Cause your face to shine on your sanctuary, which is desolate. O oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations in a city which is called by your name. For we do not present our supplications before you because of our righteous deeds, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. Listen and act. Do not delay for your own sake, my God. In Ephesians chapter 2. I thought I had it marked, but maybe I didn't. My friends, here's why we should cry out to God. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us to sit in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show exceeding riches, the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. My friends, God is rich in mercy. You know, God... Grace is that is Him giving us what we don't deserve, and His mercy is Him not giving us what we do deserve. We deserve death for our sins, but He has given us salvation. He has made us righteous through the work of Jesus Christ. He is rich and abundant in grace and mercy. Cry out to Him, and He will hear. He will hear our prayers. But the first step is repentance. May we repent before a loving and merciful God, and He will hear. May we continually cry out for our nation, that we as a nation would turn back to God and receive the wonderful gift that He has for us. Be faithful to pray. Be faithful to cry out unto Him. You say, well, I'm a pretty good person. Yeah, but I'm a sinner. Saved by grace. Lord, help us. Lord, help our nation, help our people. Help our loved ones to turn to You. Put on that sackcloth. Get a little uncomfortable for our friends and our neighbors and our fellow citizens. Amen?